is from the United States. Uncle Joe has signed the order for 24-7 surveillance on all citizens. I say no to that in Jesus' name. What happened to living in the land of the free and the home of the brave? We hadn't been brave enough the reason this is coming in. A trans-identified biological woman claims to be no less of a man despised despite giving birth and breastfeeding? A woman who gave birth and is breastfeeding a child is hit back at critics who suggest such actions are not consistent with living as a man. You know, and you're paying her bill. Lord, help us. Forgive us, Lord, for letting this get in such a mess. But God is on the throne. No good thing does he withhold from those that walk uprightly. The Lord God is a sun and shield. He gives grace and glory. And no good thing does he withhold from those that walk uprightly. Anybody walking uprightly? Come on. He's going to meet all of our needs. All you guys, are. everybody signed up for the men's retreat? Bechtel, you signed up? Ken? Not yet. Okay. CDN afterwards, guys, if you haven't got signed up. Be praying for this meeting this week. We'll have a great time. Friday night, 6.30, a big dinner, big breakfast Saturday morning with Lawrence Bishop, and I hope Elvis gets to come. Elvis is coming if Mom will let him. He's missed too much school already. But we'll see. Well, let's see. You know the difference between a $20 stake and a $50 stake? February the 14th. <laughs> Guys, just a little warning. Just a little warning. Mama wants a 50 When we take our offerings this morning, you guys be ready. Sow your seed in faith. Sow your seed always in faith. Have faith in God. Believe He will honor what you're doing. Proverbs uh, 28.13 says, He who conceals his transgression will never prosper. So that's why we confess our sins so we'll prosper. We sow our seed believing God will meet our every need. He is more than enough. And if you want a special blessings, just come tell me during the offering you want to help someone that's got an electric bill to can't pay. You put on whatever you want. I'll tell you when we get enough. See, uh, as that verse says, our sin stops prosperity. There's evil spirits that, top, that stop prosperity. There's, there's people that went to church and tithe all their life and never got their finances in order because of the poverty spirit. A poverty spirit will hang on. My favorite illustration for this is, <clears throat> whether it's Valentine's Day or whenever you 
and your sweetie go out to eat. And, you know, there, there's certain places Dixie and I go, and there's certain places we know we won't go because that's more than we want to spend. But whatever, wherever your limit is, and I don't care what it is, whatever that is, when you go to a place and you go to order and you see what you want, but when you choose something else because it's less expensive, you have a spirit of poverty. Now just think about that a little bit. God will give you the desires of your heart. But see, one of my friends, and I always thought he had a lot of money, lived on a big place that he inherited. And he'd say, well, I can get just as full on a hamburger as I can on a steak. Point made. But, I know he never, he did profess Christ later in his life. I doubt he was ever a tither. And you know, when he died, the bank took his property. And yet he had inherited it, and it was a lot of land. And he had lived on just borrowing money on that property. See, we want to leave an inheritance for our children and our children's children, not leave them a debt. And we have got to allow, if God's not Lord of our finances, I don't see how He's Lord at all. So, if you need help with that poverty spirit, we'll help you. But just, just know, there's all kinds of schemes against us that want to stop us. God wants us to be the head and not the tail. We're to be the lender and not the borrower. Come on, let's stand up. Real men meeting. We're going to bring our offerings in faith to you, Lord Jesus. We've come to give you honor. We've come to give you praise. And Lord, I thank you. Dixie and I attest of your faithfulness. You've met our needs. Lord, the Ascension Church can attest that you've been faithful because we've never had a need that you didn't meet. Lord, because of a group of people that chose to believe you and to believe your word. So Lord, we're here today to just believe you and to sow our seed in faith into your kingdom, the everlasting kingdom, and Lord, I speak blessings and I pray wisdom over everyone and their finances. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Well, greet somebody. Shake your hand.
Men, you can pray for the retreat on easy ties if you need to. Well, are you ready to hear the word this morning? You better fasten your seatbelts. The plane's getting ready to depart. So, yes. plane isn't going to depart you guys have just landed remember remember january 15th we watched that video y'all have just landed on the aircraft carrier <laughs> don't buckle your seatbelt. unbuckle because we're here to fill up remember we're here to get refilled because then when you go out you buckle up because you're going to take off as soon as we get out of here I'm glad to see you guys here this morning. I'm I am glad to see that you've landed on the carrier. Uh, I do just want to prophesy to you that something good is going to happen to you today. Amen? God's got some good things for us here this morning. And I have been so excited. I told my dad I have been just thrilled to get to be here uh, service after service just to see what the Lord has been doing. And the past few Wednesday nights have been amazing. We've seen demons cast out. We've seen people crying and using up Kleenexes and getting set free. And God has been doing some powerful things. And I found somebody that talks way louder than me, Tommy Griffin, Wednesday night. I'm sure most of Sky Took heard every word he, he declared out of this place, and it was good. Yes, my dad wants his voice, so. Hey, God is on the move, and, you know, it's, it's, sometimes it feels like a test. It's okay. They're going to come. And we just keep on going. We want to pass the test. But you know what? God has anointed me this morning, and he's anointed you. He's anointed us to bring hope, healing to the brokenhearted. There's brokenhearted people here today. And you know what? We, if you have a broken leg, where you go? You go get it fixed. Brokenhearted people need to be running to the church to let the Lord heal them. There is healing here. And sometimes we just think about the physical. It's okay to say, I'm screwed up. I'm an emotional wreck. You know, we want to go say, I need a pill. Well, if you need to take a pill, take a pill. And then get up here and let us pray for you. And then you won't need the pills anymore. It's kind of how that goes. But we're here to bring hope, to heal to the brokenhearted, new eyes for the blind, and to preach that you are set free. Amen? You are set free in Jesus' name. Angel, you're set free in Jesus' name. You have something to say? Well, get up here. Come on. You got to do it on the microphone. Yeah, yeah he's got to get you on Facebook. Okay, while well, Pastor Gerald was up here talking, I wasn't even paying attention to what he was saying. <laughs> That's okay. But I did write down, Daddy wants your broken pieces. Are you broken? With your broken pieces, you can't do anything with them. 
But if you give him to him, he can make something beautiful of those broken pieces. And he will make that vessel stronger. Daddy, take my pieces and make them whole. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that prophetic word. Amen. Amen. Thank you, angel. No, don't apologize. It's all good. Well, we're going to, I don't know where all we're going to go. I'm going to Acts. And um, I've been thinking a lot about some of the things that my dad's been preaching about the last few weeks, and we've been hearing several weeks after week of, um, it's on us. The condition of things is on us. Well, okay. We've all agreed on it. I need to know what to do about it. Okay? So as I'm reading through Acts, I felt like the Lord really gave me some things on what to do. I need some action. And you know what? Um, like our, my friend, our friend Catherine Watsi has told us, the answer is always in the Word. You can always find the answer in the Word. And as I was reading through Acts, in those first three chapters, um, we're not going to turn to the first three, but... The apostles were chosen. The Holy Spirit showed up at Pentecost. Uh, Peter and John, they started going out on their own. What an exciting time that had to be for them. Don't you know those guys were a little, you know, Jesus was gone. (laughs) And they're out on their own for the first time. They start preaching. Uh, We see there was a conversion of uh, 3,000 people. The believers began to meet together. And then Peter and John healed the man at the gate beautiful. And then the test comes on chapter 4. And as I read that, I thought, you know, that's where I've been. That's where you've been. That's where the church has been. That's where our country's been. The test, the trial comes. And as I looked at chapter 4 and read through it, I saw a lot of correlation between what Peter and John did, how they spoke, how they handled things. And um, I really feel like there's some things in the Scripture that we can take out of and use today. And I realized that um, a a lot of things, uh, we've been taught some things that maybe isn't exactly right. We have some mindsets that's been put on us uh, towards different things that... um, I'm questioning if it's exactly, if we've been thinking right on some of it. So, um, I want to go to chapter 4, and um, the first four verses, I'm not going to read them. I'll just kind of tell you what it is saying. They've healed the guy at the gate, beautiful. They've healed the crippled man, and um, Peter and John are in the temple preaching, and... The religious high muckety-mucks come to oppose them for healing a crippled man. Go figure. They arrest them and have them held overnight. It sounds like today, doesn't it? Somebody does something good and they get arrested. And even after they hauled them out and had them arrested, there was 5,000 people converted. Isn't that amazing? You're not going to stop God. 
I was even thinking about the weather last week and all of the stuff that they predicted that was going to happen. God has the last say. You know all that six inches of snow we had? <laughs> right. You know, God's going to do what he wants to do. But um, the next morning, they bought, brought Peter and John. Could we possibly have just a little less heat in here? <laughs> it's really warm in here. <laughs> Could somebody please go turn down the heat? <laughs> somebody? I can go do it if I need to. <sighs> Thank you. No, I'm not having a hot flash. It's warm in here. <laughs> Thank you. So the next morning, they bring him in before the council, and they ask them, what authority do you have of healing this man? So I'm going to start with verse 8. I see they've already got it up. Um, so Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, could you put that up in the passion, please? I'm going to give them just a minute because I, I want you all to be able to follow along the way that I'm going to read it. Or You know what I'm saying? might make a little bit of sense. It's all good. Let's just give them just a second. I think they must have missed that. And I bless Kyle because Kyle is, we've been wanting somebody to learn how to do all that and help Leah. And I appreciate him back there. Are we ready? Go to verse 8, if you would. Acts 4, 8. Because this is a very important part. Okay. Here we go. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, answered, Respect elders and leaders of respected elders and leaders of the people. Listen, are we being put on trial today for doing an act of kindness by healing a frail, crippled man? Well then, you and everyone else in Israel should know that, that it is by the power of the name of Jesus that the crippled man stands here today completely healed. You crucified Jesus Christ of Nazareth, but God raised him from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that you, the builders, have rejected, and now he has become the cornerstone. There is no one else who has the power to save us, for there is only one name to whom God has given authority by which we must experience salvation, the name of Jesus. So let's go to the, the, back to verse 8 at the very front of that. And I want you to look at how it starts out. What does it say? Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe that that is our number one way that we're going to be able to to um, walk in where we're walking and change, begin to change the things that need to be changed only if we're filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> he knew what to say, and he knew how to say it, and you will too. Because if we go in flesh, we'll get fleshed out. But if we go being led by the Holy Spirit, we'll have God's protection, and we'll have his direction, and we'll have his, we're his mouthpiece. 
And it's a good mouthpiece <laughs> if we're filled with his Holy Spirit. And I, this story is just amazing to me because, just because of all the stuff that's in here. Um, so I want to go on down to verse 13. It says, Then the council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men who had never had, a, had religious training. Ordinary guys. It set them back as they heard how bold they were in their voice and in their stand. And you just said, Dad just, my dad just said this, it's going to take boldness. It's going to take boldness. Is this, I believe that God can use us to change things by being bold. And, you know, we've had a mindset that if we question authority, that we're wrong. Or even if we question anything, we better question it. But it, made me, it really made me think of the challenges that we faced just a few years ago. We were told not only how to stand, what to wear, where we could go, how to wash, what direction to walk down the aisle at Walmart. Most importantly, when we could have church and how many we could have here. And you know what? The majority complied and we didn't question it it's not that long ago and we think we're bold and we think we're full of the Holy Spirit and we think we're going to do and just like that we all put on a mask we all stood six feet apart we all sung happy birthday as we washed our hands for 30 seconds and used lots of you know what I'm saying we did everything and did not question it at all. You talked about this last week. We weren't bold. We totally let fake news, fake Fauci, and fear dictate everything that we could and couldn't do. It happened. And, I, and I've even told you, I had a sister in Christ. She didn't go here, but it was, it was a sister in Christ told me that if I love my neighbor as I love myself, I would comply. I laughed and ran as fast as I could. I wasn't going to argue with her. We had people using scriptures to twist things. So if we're not being led by the Holy Spirit, we're not going to be bold, and we're not going to have the mind of Christ to be able to decipher a lot of this stuff out. We are going to have to question some things. And I am all about spiritual authority. I'm all about if you go out here and break the law, yes, you're, I told you all about it. I didn't even wear my seatbelt right, and I got stopped. I'm about obeying the authority. But there's sometimes we, we need to think about some of this stuff. I know that there are some that didn't even know the Lord that stood up and faced fines and jail times over things. God bless those people. We need some of the world's tenacity because we think that if we're a Christian, we've got to be, hmm. No. Look, read this. Go home and read this chapter more than once. 
these guys were not weak. They were not they were they weren't soft spoken. Oh, they loved, they preached, they were doing the things of Jesus. Yep. They were. <laughs> I want to read the rest of uh, 13. The, the last thing of this just messes me up. Then they began the council. They began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with them. Those council members were totally wrecked when they realized those guys, they weren't going to change their minds. They weren't going to, jail didn't intimidate them. They probably converted everyone in the jail while they were there. They began to understand the effect that Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. Has Jesus had that effect on you? Can others say, hey, they've been with Jesus by simply spending time with him. Are you spending time with him? If you're not, we can't do the, the first two things. It all goes right in order. It's amazing as I begin to look at this. So I believe that revival's going to come. This is number three. Revival's going to come. The third way we're going to be able to change things is by spending time with Jesus. That's going to be the reformation. That's going to bring the revival. The story goes on, and the council realizes they're not getting anywhere with these guys. Skytooks realize they're not going to get anywhere with us either. <laughs> ah, come on, we're here. We're not going anywhere. Amen? Amen. All they could do is threaten them. So that's what they did. Don't you ever speak Jesus' name again. Don't you know that fired them up? <laughs> and that's probably what should have happened to us. That's what's kind of happened to America. We've finally kind of been like, oh, yeah, we're supposed to be standing. We've been sound asleep for years. Because it's comfortable. We come in here, pat each other on the back, tell them how great, how great each other are. We love you. Have a great week. And we haven't been concerned about one darn thing that's going on in our country, our city, our family, just as long as I'm okay. Awakening. It's coming. God's wanting to wake us up. Amen. That's right. That's a song, one way or another. You 80s people, you know it. If I could sing, I'd just hit it a lick, but plus I don't really remember the rest of it. Oh, anyway, I love that. Simply by spending time with Jesus, he wants to transform us and make us look just like him. Lord, that's what we long for. Lord, we want you to come. 
I had a sister last night call and tell me that she saw the holy fire of God coming down upon this place. God, we're asking for that holy fire of God just to fall on this place this morning. Come on, somebody. Yes. When we're with Jesus, he comes. His glory comes. His fire is wanting to fall on us simply because we spend time with him. That gets me excited. We're, okay, so verse 18 and 19. So they brought them back in before the council, and they commanded them to never teach the people or to speak again using the name of Jesus. I bet they were laughing inside. But Peter and John replied, You can judge for yourself. Is it better to listen to you or to God? Isn't that awesome? Mark that. There may come a day when you need to use that. Instead of saying, yes, sir, I'm going to obey the laws of the land and everything they tell me. Let, let's throw that one out. Hey, there's governmental authority. There's church authority. There's family authority. Tommy talked about the church authority Wednesday night. And, and, you know, some of that's got twisted because it's got to be twisted in the fact that we think that nobody can tell us what to do, that we don't have to bow to any man, that we don't have to listen to anybody. The Proverbs talked about that this morning, that if you're not going to listen to anybody, you're not probably going to get too far. But if we can't... I, and I, I know somebody, and they were told by somebody that really loved them, and they, they loved them enough to speak to them and say, if you would just go bow your knee, and they didn't mean like, they just meant bow your heart and say, I submit to your authority, Pastor Gerald. Some people can't do that. And this person couldn't do that. Oh, they nodded their head and was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It didn't happen. And they're out in the wild blue yonder today. God, I, I believe God will only let you go so far. But, I, but things have been twisted because um, people have got hurt in the church. So then whenever they get mad and they leave, then they say, well, it's cultish if you have somebody trying to t help you or they say tell you what to do or that's cult-like. I just heard a whole thing about that over uh, Hill, Hillsong. They were saying that. They're not cultish. We're not cultish. It's biblical. And, and I don't see Pastor Gerald sitting up here dictating what everybody's supposed to do. Do you? No, I don't either. He tells me what to do sometimes. It's okay. I'm his daughter. And I work with him. I do. We tell each other what to do. We line each other out. It's really good. <laughs> then I try to tell Mariah what to do. She calls me Gerald. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to say that. It just keeps going right on down. Oh, I love my family. They love me. And Jesus loves me. 
I'm really excited. <laughs> oh, about what God's doing. And you know, are you going? Is it better to listen to man or to God? And all I could think about was a, a parking lot church. Pastor Gerald, how did you do that? I didn't ask them. We just did it. It's the same thing. So the fourth way we're going to be able to change things is we're going to listen to God. Boy, that's a new one. Woo! If you spend time with Jesus, because I'm telling you, some say, I, I don't hear from God. If you spend time with Jesus, you will begin to hear him. And he will speak to you through his word. He will. And there'll be some, that, that's like that verse whenever, it, I am telling you, last Monday, I read that scripture where it said, oh my gosh, this got my pages all messed up. Simp, whenever I read that, um, that they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. Whenever I read that, it was just like, ah. And then I heard, your dad's going to ask you to preach on Sunday. Hmm. So Monday I come in and he says, I was thinking maybe you ought to preach on Sunday. And I'm always like, really? <laughs> Finally I said, I knew you was going to ask me. <laughs> but see, you start hearing things. Once you start, and you start paying attention to his spirit. It is, it is just like, it's amazing. So we're going to start listening to God. <laughs> and we're going to know how to answer and with that answer, though, they let those guys go. They let them go. And I think it's interesting. They didn't just rush out and go home and jump on Facebook and promote, go Facebook Live and promote their ministry and tell about everything that just happened, how great things went and how you could give into their ministry to help others. Let's look at verse 23. What did they do? As soon as they were released from custody, Peter and John went to the other believers and explained all that had happened with the high priest and the elders. They went and met with their friends. They went and hung out with those that, that were the Christian brothers and sisters, with the other believers. They got together and they praised the Lord. And you say, well, you know, they didn't have internet back then, and they couldn't have done that anyway. I realize that. And we also say we've moved into things that are a lot better. And I'm thinking, have we really? Because it seems like to me that the separation, and I can talk to you through a text, or I can talk to you through... We're, we've lost something in that. They went face to face and hung out with them. We've lost that. Have you invited anybody over lately? Well, yeah, you don't want to see my house. Well, clean it up. It doesn't matter. You know what? I think when people come over, I don't even think they see what your house looks like. Call Angel. She'll clean it up for you, and then you can have company come over. But you know what I mean? We've lost something just hanging out. There's, it's, it, it, there's something, too, getting together. And it goes ahead and talks a lot about in that chapter of 
they were eating together and hanging out together, and they were doing the stuff that I think we're supposed to be doing today that we have lost. But they came together. They came together. I want to go down to verse 29 and um, 31, and it says, so, and this is what they were all crying out. Once they got together, Peter and John and all of the believers, they were crying out saying this, so now, Lord, listen to their threats to harm us. Empower us as your servants to speak the word of God freely and courageously. Stretch out your hand of power through us to heal and to move in signs and wonders by the, by the name of your holy son, Jesus. This wasn't just Peter and John crying out. This was the whole group of believers saying, Lord, you deal with those threats. You deal with the government. And you know what? We, don't we want to be empowered to speak, to heal, to move in signs and wonders? Yes. Cast out demons? Come on. I believe most of us would be crying out saying the same thing. That's right where we're at, I believe. Lord, do those things. But part of it is we don't want to come together. And, and I'm not just talking about, yeah, you're here today. The, the body of Christ, we've seen that. They have a hard time wanting to come together. They don't see the need to come together. I've never understood that. Aren't we all going to spend together in eternity together one day? The, and and you know, it made me think about the Republicans have taken the house and boy, that sounds like that should just be an easy thing. But they're saying they can't come together. A group of, what, 100-some people? And I'm, I'm just like, that is such a ploy of the enemy to keep us separated because of the power that happens when we come together. There, there is power and, and strength that comes. And what does the enemy do? He wants to make you mad and get you out of here. It happens. It happens all the time. Somebody gets offended. Somebody doesn't like something. We see it happen. We've seen it time after time after time after time. It'll, it, I think it'll happen till Jesus comes. The enemy doesn't want us to be together. God wants us to be together. He wants us to be together to be able to empower us so that we can speak, so we can heal, so we can encourage each other to move in signs and wonders. Because there's times when you come in here and you don't feel like doing anything. And I can come up beside you and say, let me pray for you. And you've, you've landed here and you're going to get filled up. That's why you're here today. To go back out. You're going to feel a lot better once you leave. Amen? Mariah wasn't feeling too good. She said, I'm coming. I'm glad she's here. So I believe that the fifth thing that the God wants us to do, he wants us to get, get together, come together. He's wanting us to come together. That's just five simple things. And you know what? You all knew every single one of those things. 
I believe those are five really powerful things that if we would start implementing them, things are going to start changing. And you know what? It's going to start changing here. This is where it's got to start. Then I've seen it's going to change the whole family. Then it spills over to your friends, your fam- you know, to those you work with. It just keeps, it just keeps going. I want to read the le- that next verse, though. After they were crying out to the Lord with those, on verse 31, it says, As they prayed, what happened? The earth shook beneath them, causing the building they were in to tremble. Each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they proclaimed the word of God with unrestrained boldness. Come on. Isn't that awesome? It ends with where it started. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what? That just shows you you need to be prayed for more than once to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Dad says you leak out sometimes. I don't know if that's what happens, but you, you get drained. You give and you give. You're praying and you're ministering, and you're like, Lord, I need to be filled back up again. I need to be filled back up again. I got so many papers up here flying around. I want to, oh, I got time. I want to read you something that I really felt like that would inspire you and move you. And it's a story that I read, and it's not very long. And I know sometimes it's hard to listen to or get it when somebody's reading something. But I don't think this will be hard for you to catch. The year was 203, and the Roman emperor had issued an edict prohibiting his subjects from converting to Christianity. One of these martyrs was a young noblewoman named Vibia Perpetua, who wrote and recorded much of her process leading to martyrdom, martyrdom, inspiring future generations by her courage. Perpetua had committed herself to Christ in her early adult life. She was a young mother with an infant son when she was captured and imprisoned. Her family begged her to renounce her faith that she might escape a cruel death in the gladiator's arena and appeal to her heart as a mother who would be leaving a nursing babe if she were to die. Yet when she stood before the Roman I don't know. When she stood before the Romans, sorry, I don't know that word, she boldly proclaimed herself to be a Christian and with a sense of joy accepted the sentence of being thrown to the wild beast. She thought it would be one of the highest honors to be chosen as a partaker with Christ's suffering and to die a martyr's death for her Lord and Master. Days before her execution, the Lord visited her in prison through dreams and visions, which confirmed to her that she would suffer for Christ's death. Through these visions, the Lord comforted her that in her death, she would be defeating the devil 
and she would be received into the glorious arms of the Father. In one vision, she saw her victory in death. The Lord kissed her and gave her entrance through a gate called the gate of life. When she awoke, she said, I understand, I understood that I should fight, not with the beast, but against the devil. But I knew that mine was the victory. On the day of her death, she walked into the amphitheater, a- amphitheater with her friend and fellow martyr, Felicia, another young woman who had just given birth. The Acts of Christian Martyrs tells us, the story, tells us the story of that day. Perpetua went along with a shining countenance. She's getting ready to be killed, people. And a calm step as the beloved of God and as a wife of Christ, putting down everyone's stare by her own intense gaze. With them also was Felicia, glad that she had safely given birth so that now she could fight the beast. Going from one bloodbath to another, from the midwife to the gladiator, ready to wash after childbirth in a second baptism. Several Christian men were then killed as they were exposed to the hungry wild animals. A boar, a leopard, and a bear were released on them and they died rather quickly. Yet the courageous death of Perpetua and Felicia was a prolonged and a brutal affair. For the young women, however, the devil had prepared a mad heifer. This was an unusual animal, but it was chosen chosen that their sex might be matched with that of the beast. So they were stripped naked and placed in nets, and thus brought out into the arena. Even the crowd was horrified when they saw that one was a delicate young girl and the other was a woman fresh from childbirth with the milk still dripping from her breast. They were so aghast that they were brought back again and they were dressed in an unbelted tunic. First the heifer tossed Perpetua and she fell on her back. Then sitting up, she pulled down the tunic that was ripped along the side so that it covered her thighs, thinking more of her modesty than her pain. Next, she asked for a pin to fasten her hair, for it was not right that a martyr should die with her hair in disarray. lest she might seem to be mourning in her hour of triumph. Then she got up, and seeing that Felicia had been crushed to the ground, she went over to her and gave her her hand and lifted her up. Those who had survived till then were gathered in the usual spot for their throats to be cut. But the mob asked for those two bodies to be brought out into the open, that their eyes might be on the guilty witnesses of the sword that pierced their flesh. And so the martyrs got up. These two women were moved and went to the spot of their own accord as the people wanted them to. 
and kissing one another, they sealed the martyrdom with a ritual kiss of peace. The others took the sword in silence and without moving. Perpetuia, however, had yet to taste more pain. She screamed as she was struck on the bone, and then she took the trembling hand of the young gladiator and guided it to her throat. It was as though so great a woman feared as she was by the unclean spirit could not be dispatched unless she herself was willing. We have a kingdom cause. And as a group of kingdom-minded people here at this apostolic center, we shouldn't be waiting on someone else to do the job. It's our turn to be willing to sacrifice to see freedom come to others and to our country. And if we try to solve these things and to think these things through with our natural mind, it's not going to work. Spiritual problems are not resolved with a natural solution. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I wanted us to look at that. Trust in the Lord completely and don't rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you, and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. That's a kingdom verse. Remember Deborah and Brock? They work together. The Deborahs must awaken. The Baracks must arise. Things can change if we determine there is a righteous cause. We are called to make a difference, and the victory is ours. That woman's story so moved me because she took her death as a victory. Our country is worth fighting for. Our country is worth being bold for. I'm here to challenge us this morning. It's our time. It's our time. Tommy preached about it Wednesday night. A heart of a champion. We have it within us. God's breathing on us and waking us up. And saying, it's your turn. It's our turn. The kingdom is worth it. I'm asking you now, that's what I have, but I am asking you now that if you will join me in standing for the kingdom cause to stand just where you're at. I'm going to ask them to go ahead and turn on that music. I'm not asking you to sign a pledge. We're not going to go, go get guns and go do something. We're going to do these five things that we talked about. That's the call. That's the kingdom call. But this song is saying we're going to raise a hallelujah. And that's, you've got to remember that. <laughs> because the enemy wants to take us down. <laughs> so maybe you need prayer for... Um, 
you don't have it in you to walk it out. Come get prayer this morning. If you need to be filled back up with the Holy Spirit, come get in the river. The Lord has more for us. And we don't want to leave here without getting everything that he has for us this morning. And to be able to take up that kingdom cause. We need his power and his strength. And Lord, we bless you this morning. We thank you. I release your power, the kingdom power of Jesus upon us this morning. Lord, we need your strength to have the boldness, to have what you called us to, to go out and to do what you called us to be and to do. Lord, I thank you for the people that are willing to stand for a kingdom cause. We bless you, Lord. Good morning.
I got that verse the other day that you you halt between two opinions. Which side are you on? We're on the God side. What else, Lord? Are we finished? I'd say 30 or 40 years ago, I was staying right over here. And I made some remark about my friend, Morio Murillo, and one of the ladies that was here in the church. You're a friend of Morio Murillo? I said, well, I sure don't want to be his enemy. Because what he was talking about, and some of you that are old will remember, The Witch's Invitation, a song that Carmen sang. Well, it was about Carmen, I mean, it was about Mario going to that witch's house because he was the highest Satanist person. And he invited whoever was brave enough to come and visit him. And it was Mario. He went out there. I'm telling you what Mario's doing now. He's probably getting close to 80 years old. He's got a tent. And he is leading people to Christ by the hundreds. And that's what he's, what's burning in his heart right now is people getting saved. Gerald ordered me a couple of his books. I got one of them yesterday. I read it in a half a day. That book that he just got from Morio that he wrote about his, what he's doing now and everything. And the name of the book is Do Not Leave Quietly. And that's just what she preached today. It's our, and she got another one I just started on. Read one page in it. And the name of it is It's Our Turn Now. It's going to involve every Christian in this country to turn this thing around. And we've got a part in it. We've got a big part in it right here in Sky 2 or wherever you go. I'm telling you, we. what happens if you win everybody to the Lord? Don't you think that's going to change the culture? That's right. We get the spiritual one right. They'll give up. Don't miss Wednesday night. Be praying. Invite. What about Zeph? Is Zeph signed up for the men's meeting? Will he come, you think? Huh? He won't come. Gerald, you can get him. Okay, that's one of your assignments. Get John, too. Yes. Lord, we just say thank you for this day. We say thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. See, Deanne, if you need to pay.